How are you? I'm okay. This is episode two. No. <laughs> no. Can't be. Deny. Deny, deny, deny. This is uh, episode 1.5. Okay. I can get behind that. <laughs> yeah, we only count in halves. <laughs> One, 1.5. <laughs> two, two, Do you remember? Five. Do you remember when we were, um, I was probably in junior high, so you were still in middle school, I think, but Monica, Monica's my stepmom, for those of you, whoever, but she, she used to go around and say that, um, until you turned 18, you were only half of a person. Oh. I think I'm still half of a person. <laughs> yeah, five feet never, tall. I'm so. right, never finished developing. <laughs> we stack on top of our shoulders two gnomes in a trench coat. Their names are Tim and Tam. Once a mailman and once an arsonist. You know, just a casual little gang. Little group of guys. <laughs> little buddy boys. I hate this. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Yeah, I thought, I thought like, I don't know. I don't know what I thought. You thought it was going to get easier after episode one? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, we're, I'm definitely more comfortable now than yeah. I was yesterday. Because, like, I was... <clears throat> But, yeah. like, I just don't know what to talk about. Ghost. <laughs> Ghost. Done. <laughs> and check. And we also, it's, we haven't, it's not like we haven't seen each other in a week or anything. Yeah. We saw each other literally yesterday. Literally, like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was, there's not much space in between these. Right. What are we getting for lunch? <laughs> <laughs> we can get whatever y'all want. <laughs> We need to, like, pad the intro out if both of our stories are short. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about your week. My week? You I said it was crazy, right? Had to go home on the weekend for something. I don't remember why I was home. Um. <laughs> Doctor's appointment? Yeah. Oh, it was the murder mystery birthday oh, yeah. party. And then I went back to school. For a day, so that's a two-hour drive there. <laughs> and then I'd drive back home. Disgusting. For Well, I went back to school, had a doctor's appointment in the evening, and then after that doctor's appointment, had to go back home. So it was like a like I was home, I went back to school for a day, and then the next day I had a doctor's appointment in the evening, had to drive all the way Mm-mm. back home, do a doctor's appointment in the morning, the next morning at my house, and then get back to school for a midterm. Oh, my god! It was a lot of driving in the beginning of the week. Why? What were the appointments? Like, for your eyes? No. I don't ever go to the eye doctor until the summer. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, that's fun. It was a yearly checkup and an endocrinologist. What's that? For my thyroid. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Just... <laughs> Yeah, I had labs done for something else, and they were like, uh, well, we were tested for looks fine, but, like, your thyroid's doing something you might want to look into. <laughs> you so might want to figure that out. Have fun with that. Disgusting. Here's, here's somebody to call. <laughs> Who um, are you going to call? And they're like, all right, have the fun. endocrinologist. <laughs> so. You know what I learned this week? What? That every Emily Dickinson poem can be read to the tune of the Pokemon theme song because they're in the same meter. He was nodding in there. He agrees. Yes. Oh, no. Oh, watching people read them is very funny because it's, like, all this very dark <laughs> and depressing stuff. And then it's, I want to be the very <laughs> We're going to get copyright striked on episode two. Dang. Starting off strong. Oh, yeah. We should read some of the poems just, like, right now just to, to, to get more no. time. Oh, no. <laughs> Not for real. <laughs> but it's funny. One we can example. cut it out. One example. Um, adrift, a little boat adrift, and night is coming down. No, <laughs> I don't like with it. With no one to guide a little boat to the nearest town. No, <laughs> that's so disgusting. I love it so much. <laughs> and it's every poem. It's All like of her poems were like are, that? They're written in the same meter. Oh, no. Man. It's like when the internet learned that you could sing waluigi's name to the tune of hallelujah yeah this is it's so much worse though dude (laughs) 
She's got to be a ghost walked around like, come on. <laughs> they, like, really did her dirty with that one, huh? I mean, <laughs> it wasn't on purpose, but. Imagine if you were a ghost, though, and you're, you come back and you're, no. No, I can only see good things. Like, <laughs> you come back, if I came back, if I wrote poems and I came back and learned that a bunch of meme lords were putting it to the theme yeah, but, like, didn't she not want people to see her poems? Oh, wait, that. Yeah, so they're, like, now everybody's singing them. <laughs> not even just seeing them. People are out here singing them to a, a cartoon theme song. Like, they're all over the place. Rest in peace, a legend, <laughs> I guess. Dang. At that point, Pokemon needs to sponsor her. <laughs> like, I know she's dead, <laughs> but, like, but sponsor her. Just say, hey, shout out to Emily Dickinson. <laughs> Shout out to Emily D. Dickinson. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Well, I'm trying to think of other things that happened this week. Um, no. <laughs> just going through it. I saw a TikTok earlier. It says you're not broken. You're just a disco ball. Because disco balls are broken pieces of glass. I just liked it. What a metaphor. <laughs> you're not broken. You're just, <laughs> you're just a, a disco, disco ball. ball. What a metaphor. I love TikTok. Okay. <laughs> that it said all you did this week. Uh, oh, what did I do this week? Yeah. Oh, I learned that Emily did. No, <laughs> yeah, we already covered that. I got addicted to Teen Mom. Oh, yeah. I've been watching Teen Mom, and I got a new game. I broke my friends because, so, my computer doesn't have speakers right now. I just have my headset because, like, I never, I don't need speakers, you know. I'm always sitting there with my headset on. But I wanted to watch, and I only have one monitor right now because I haven't gotten my second one yet. So I wanted to watch Teen Mom while I played my game. So I set up my iPad. I put my AirPods in. I was watching Teen Mom on my iPad. I put my headset over the AirPods so that I was hearing the game simultaneously at the same time as I'm hearing Teen Mom. Innovation that excites. <laughs> what? I sent a Snapchat to my friend, and they were like, literally, how do you focus? How? I don't understand. It's like, I don't think other people understand that if I was just playing my game, my brain, I'd be like rewriting the third Harry Potter book or something. Like, I would just not be focusing on the game. And then if I was just watching Teen Mom, I'd be doing something else in my head. So it's like, this way, I get to do two things at the same time that I do want to do. Yeah, I'm bad at... I usually have to sit, like, do one thing, or I will, and, like, play with something while I'm doing it, mm -hmm. but I don't think I could have two things in my ears at the same time, Yeah, because I just get overloaded, and, like, not know what to, I'd switch back and forth, and, like, be mixing sentences together that yeah. they're saying, and. It really helped, though, when I was in, um, so I took an English class last semester that was all about dystopian literature. It was super cool, and it was analyzing like, the whole semester, we analyzed various, like, dystopian novels. Um, the problem was I can't read. Oh. Like, I sit down and I start reading, and instantly my brain is somewhere else. Like, I, I just can't sit down and focus on it anymore. Um, so what I did was I bought the e-books, and if you do it through Audible, like, on the Kindle app, not sponsored, Audible sponsor us, it'll, like, you'll hear, like, they're reading it to you, and you also see it on the screen. Like, it'll highlight the word that it's on so you can follow along. So I had my iPad set up under my monitor with the book playing in my AirPods, headset over it, and I was playing Minecraft. So it's something completely mindless that I could do purely by instinct. And that's how I read all of my books for that class, except for the graphic novel, because that was the only one, that was the only one I didn't read, because that was the only one I couldn't make an ebook on my iPad. Dang. Yeah. <laughs> you just skipped the graphic novel? Yeah. It was V for Vendetta. I bullshitted my way through that. Like, oh, I've seen that movie so many times, I just guessed. It's close enough. Right. But, like, we also read of, oh, no, what is it? It's a book, the, the concept is that um, humans can't have children anymore. And that's the dystopia, is, like, the last generation of children is, like, Generation Alpha, and... There's no more kids after that, so, like, parks go away and, like, little things that you don't think about. Um, and it takes place in London, and there's a dictator. It's a, it's a very good book. And then we also read 
oh wait it's super sad it's about clones and harvesting organs it was like the concept was like they made clones of people and uh those clones were like raised in different facilities and certain facilities were better than the other ones and when they got to age 18 their organs started to be harvested oh geez it's messed up (laughs) it's some black mirror shit it's a good book though Every time you look at Adam, I feel compelled to look at Adam. I just, every now and then, I see the ponytail move out the side of my eyes. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> he's bobbling. Okay, okay, like, okay. What's happening in there? But he's just looking around. It's <laughs> just the ponytails moving. It's like, um, like puppets. Yeah, it's literally, it's just like, it's <laughs> a, a tuft of hair. A tuft. A tuft. A wee little tuft. It's a weird word. Hardly. Just called out. Like that. I don't know. Are you excited for the new Five Nights at Freddy's game? Yeah. I think the trailer's pretty cool. <laughs> it's yeah, because it's like... No, it's it's different. You can move now, right? Yeah, it's open open world-ish kind of thing. Interesting. Free roam, I guess is a better way to say it. It's not really a world. You walk around the facility. And don't the animatronics look different now? They Yeah, there's different. It's the Rockstar versions. Ooh. Yeah. It's in like a, a mall in eighties theme rock star animatronics. That's so fun. It's Chuck E. Cheese vibes. They all got like different instruments. I hate Chuck E. Cheese. Charles Entertainment Cheese. How are you gonna come in here and diss my man like that? That rat is the scariest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> they like I don't know, they tried to, to up him, like, you know, just mm-hmm. redo the concept of him and he's still just scary. <laughs> like they didn't help. It's he's just scary but cool. new. <laughs> scary but new <laughs> oh my goodness okay we should probably start yeah okay am i going first again or are you going first um i'm excited for yours you could piping it up i i don't think okay i can um i'm i'm excited for it but like as a general disclaimer so i know we explained it on episode one that we we're not limiting ourselves to just true crime just ghosts um we're talking about anything that we can categorize like in the sphere of morbid and that includes things that are fictional like creepypastas or conspiracy theories or scps and like things like that things that are just generally scary i'm i'm doing one of those today i'll explain the story and then i'm gonna explain at the end what was fact and what was fiction because it's kind of an amalgamation of both. Okay? Okay. Okay. Um, so I'm going to be telling you today about Artifact 22542, which is the unlucky mummy. Do you know what that is? I Again, I've heard it, but couldn't <laughs> tell you anything about it. Just like last time with the, the goat man. Mm-hmm. And I, I would if someone would have asked me where that took place, I would have been up north. <laughs> like a hundred percent convinced that it was up no, it's definitely texas i know it's, now everything is in texas but yeah same thing i know the name and i mm-hmm. i couldn't really tell you much it's exciting i didn't know anything about it until i saw a tiktok about it okay and it was it was a lot TikTok coming in clutch literally okay so the unlucky mummy is it's an ancient egyptian artifact that's kind of like self-explanatory it was stolen by the british in 1889 because, you know, filthy little Brits, they yeah. ate the mummies. <laughs> like, For funsies. I hate that. So right now, it's currently in the British Museum in London. This is an actual artifact. It's not made up. It's a wooden mummy board of an unidentifiable woman. So it's made out of wooden plaster, and the detail is painted onto the plaster. And the hands, like, come out. So it's not flat. It's, uh, what's the word? Not 3D, but... It protrudes out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. It's misleading because the artifact that is in the museum is actually not a mummy. It's just the wooden mummy board, which is like the lid of... Okay. It's not a sarcophagus lid, but it's a, um, a like a coffin lid. Yeah. Or an inner coffin lid, like what goes in the sarcophagus, I think. Okay. It was found in Thebes. And it can be dated to the late 21st or early 22nd dynasty. She's unidentified, but the lack of a beard and the position of the hands is how we know it's a woman. 
and the hieroglyphics all over the the lid are religious. There are short religious phrases, but there is no name on it. But, like, the quality of how it's done indicates someone important. So okay, it's a it little, wasn't just, like, a random Right, this is not thing. for a rando. This took time to make. Um, so it's, like, it's weird that there's no name on it. Yeah. The early British Museum publications named this mummy the Priestess of Amun-Ra. This was because it was usual for women to participate in musical like stuff in the rituals in the temple of Amun-Ra. History also suggests she might have been a royal, a noble, something, um, but this isn't supported by the religious writing. Okay. So that, all of what I just said is, is complete fact. This is where shit gets fun. Okay. So okay. this is where it's like, strap in. Okay. Um, so there's a lot of different versions of this story. So I went through like three or four, and I mashed them all into one. So you're going to hear me say a whole lot of, but it also could have been, but it also could have been. Okay. All across the board, though, she has a reputation of bringing misfortune to the point where this like huge online mystery was created about it. it got really popular on the internet it's been credited with causing death injuries natural disasters like a lot and it's it has been linked to a few deaths like factually but the story so the priestess of amun ra lived about 1500 years before christ she passed she was laid to rest in a wooden coffin which is the, the whatever we have now, in a vault at Luxor on the banks of the Nile. And then the British came, and they had to ruin everything because that's what British people do. For fun. For fun. Um, and you know what? I'm unapologetic about it. So the 1890s. Four Englishmen, sometimes it's five, depending on the story you hear. Some also say they were Oxford grab graduates. Either way, they're like nobles. English, and there was at least four or five of them. Um, they visited one of the the archaeological. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> that was such a difficult word. They visited some of the dig sites, and they were invited to purchase a souvenir. Okay, got it. Mm -hmm. That souvenir was a fucking mummy. Oh, they <laughs> they just they just pillaged a grave. Okay, I yeah. thought you were gonna say that's how. They got the lid, but no, they just got everything. Yeah, they did. Okay. So, and that's, it's different versions of the story. So sometimes they only got the lid. Okay. Sometimes they got the entire mummy and the entire coffin with it. Regardless, they left with something. They drew lots to decide who had to actually buy it. And the man who, quote unquote, won, um, he paid several thousand pounds and he had it transported back to his hotel. A few hours later, someone saw him walking out into the desert, and he was never seen again. <laughs> did, did they know why he was out? No. Okay. Man just walked out into the desert and died. Oh, no. <laughs> That's... Yeah. The next day, um, one of the other guys was accidentally shot by an Egyptian servant, and his arm was amputated. Okay. But he lived. Yes. He did okay. live. The third man... Um, he is often named Arthur Wheeler. Um, he actually made it home, which is good for you, dude. Nice. Um, he made it home, but the bank holding his entire life savings failed. Oh, wow. Some also say gambling was a problem. Um, he then moved to America and lost his new fortune in, get this, both a flood and a fire. Oh, together. <laughs> they don't usually work together. <laughs> they do when it comes to this man. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Rest in peace, Arthur Wheeler. How do you... Mm -mm. I don't know. Oh, man. <laughs> like, how close together were they? Don't know. Okay. I tried to find out. Because I was like, did... What did happen at the same time? Did his house catch on fire and the flood put it out? I mean, that's a win. Is know? it? I mean, <laughs> your house is burned at that point and also flooded. Yeah, no, they tag-teamed him. Literally. That's funny. Double-fisted. Oh, no. um, the fourth man, he got really sick. He lost his job um, to the point where he was reduced to selling matches on the street. If there was a fifth man, 
um, it was the same deal. He just got super sick and died a few days later. Okay. Right. So they all died. Within, like, a month, a month and a half, um, none of them survived an encounter with the priestess. So the coffin, regardless, made its way back to England. And it was bought by a businessman. Is he unnamed? He's an unnamed. And all of the things. He is categorized as a London businessman. Wait, I think I actually skipped something. Oh, I know what I skipped. In some versions of the story, before it made it to the businessman, it went to Arthur's sister. And she, like, tried to have it photographed. And the photographer died. The porter died. And the guy who translated the hieroglyphics on the coffin lid killed himself. Wow. Right. Okay. Before he, before it made it to this And Arthur was the, the flood and fire guy. Yes. Okay. So in some versions of the story, after all four or five of the men died, it was left to a family member, in this case Arthur's sister, and then all of this misfortune happened to her to the point where she sold it to a London businessman. And that's where we get our businessman. <laughs> there, I don't know, dude. Three of his family members were injured. Um, his house caught on fire. Ooh, fire's back? Yep, fire's back. So he was like, um, I'm going to give this away. Smart. He donates it to the museum. Now we're in the museum. At the museum, when it was being unpacked from a truck, the truck started reversing and oh trapped a passerby. Um, it was being taken upstairs. A workman fell and broke his leg. And then the other guy who was helping him move it up the stairs, died randomly two days later. Oh. Unexplainable circumstances. One guy broke his leg and the other guy just dies. Right. The thing about this story is you're going to notice every point. It's like three people died, the house caught on fire, you know, just girly things. Yeah, no, just everywhere. Just a Tuesday. A typical Tuesday. Um, She was installed into the Egyptian room at the British Museum and it only gets worse um night men testify to hearing hammering and sobbing coming from inside of the coffin um that's terrifying other exhibits were thrown around at night and one watchman died on the job what from did it don't know just died right just died and then other watchmen quit because they were so afraid and it was to the point where literally like even the janitors would not go near her like wouldn't even go into the room one viewer like a visitor to the museum like flicked something at her and his kid died of the measles the next day wow literally it's like it's like clockwork she has a quota (laughs) she's working and it's very quick too it's like two days later literally she wastes no time she she's scheduled out dude (laughs) she's scheduled out dude pto so the victims, there was only more and more of them as time went on. Um, people who drew her had accidents, falling downstairs, financial ruin was a big thing. Um, some people claimed that like when they went home after seeing her, she like followed them and there was a bunch of misfortune in their lives. In 1904, and this one's, this is, there's records of this, that there was a journalist named Bertram Flet, Bertram Fletcher Robinson. Say that three times fast. I'm not going to (laughs) try. He published a front page article in the Daily Express called A Priestess of Death about the haunted mummy. Three years later, so this was a big chunk of time. Three years later, he died of fever and his friends immediately blamed the mummy. Like, they had no doubt. Um, One of his friends actually said, quote, the very last time I saw him, he told me what uh, told me a wonderful tale about a mummy which had caused the death of everybody who had to do with it. And then Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, you know, the guy who wrote Sherlock Holmes, yeah. um, recalled that he had actually, like, he told this man not to write the article, not to get involved with the mummy. He said, quote, I warned Mr. Robinson against concerning himself with the mummy at the British Museum. He persisted, and death occurred. I told him he was tempting fate by pursuing his inquiries, but he was fascinated and would not desist. He went um, so far as to point out that if the mummy was to kill someone, fever would be the way to do it, because, quote, 
The immediate cause of death was typhoid fever, but that is the way in which the elementals guarding the mummy might act. That was Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Yeah, that's... The man who wrote Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> is just involved he's scared in this. Of, he's scared of the mummy, too. Dude, I got in... When I was reading that... He just shows up. Right. I got, like, whiplash. It's a crossover episode. It's a crossover <laughs> episode. The authorities get involved. They put her in the basement. Get her away. All right. Um, within the week, one of the employees who moved her was insanely sick, and the guy who supervised the move was found dead on his desk. Like, oh, wow. Down, conked out. Dead. Mans is gone. Um, this is when the papers, like, really get involved. They start taking pictures and writing articles. Um, regardless of whether anything's true, whether they can prove anything, you kind of fall victim. It's like tabloids, you know? Yeah. You just want something interesting to talk about. Um, a photographer took a picture of the mummy's case, and when he developed it, he saw the face of a, a woman, not the face of the lid. Um, and it was so scary that he shot himself. Oh, wow. Yep. After that, the, the museum wanted to get rid of her. Um, they didn't, like, she was attached to over 20 deaths at this point, how many illnesses. They couldn't, in good conscience, keep her because no matter where they put her, something was, something was amiss. So they sold her to a private collector. That private collector started to suffer, too, obviously, to the point where he puts her away in the attic. And this, the first thing I thought of when I read that. It's like, I literally wrote it in my notes. Do you remember the oracle from the first Percy Jackson books? Yeah, like up the in creepy, the attic. The creepy mummy in the attic. And it's like, I know it was the oracle of Delphi. I know it was a different thing. But, like, that image. Yeah, just the the mummy or, like, old decrepit thing in the attic literally. is such a weird trope. Imagine going to your friend's house and they're like, oh, get, the, get something down from the attic for me. You just see a, a fucking mummy. Yeah, you're like, okay, so what's the mummy in the corner? Is that just a Halloween decoration? They're like, no, that one, that guy's killed a lot of people. Don't go over there, <laughs> by the way. Like I made eye contact with it. What do I do? Bro, I went and, like, dusted it off. Should I not have done that? <laughs> Yikes. That, mm-mm. But Madame Helena Blavats, Blavinsky, I know I butchered that last name. She visited. She's a very famous person. Um, she was an expert in the occult, specifically. Okay. As soon as she stepped in the house, she starts shivering immediately and freaking the fuck out. She starts looking around the house for, like, the source and, of her own accord, goes into the attic, finds the mummy case. And the owner is like, can you, can you exercise it? And she said, quote, there is no such thing as exorcism. Evil remains evil forever. Nothing can be done about it. I, re I implore you to get rid of this evil as soon as possible. No other, no other museums wanted it. Um, it got to the point where, like, no one in the country wanted it um, because it was all over British newspapers that this mummy was cursed and it had caused so much ruin. An American archaeologist actually dismissed it all. He was like, this is all circumstance. This is all coincidence. It's all made up. I'll buy it um, to prove to you that this isn't, this isn't real. Sounds like an American. Right. So he pays for the mummy and arranges for it to be sent to New York from Britain. In April of 1912, he gets on a boat with the mummy on his way to sail to New York. Are you ready for this? Uh, Are you ready? Uh, Mentally prepare it. yourself. Um. <laughs> this boat, the Titanic. Oh, no. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Let that sink in for a second. Don't say it like that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Oh, um, no. This boat, get this, the Titanic. And on the night of April 14th, the priestess of Amun-Ra accompanied 1,500 passengers to their deaths at the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. Wow. Yeah. So, obviously, this is, it's a myth, but, so, so some things in it are true and some things in it are fiction that have just been popularized by media so the first thing is that some of the timelines in the story just don't add up helena the 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 she was a real person um she was a real expert in the occult but her piece of the story makes no sense because she died in 1991 and the mummy supposedly wasn't purchased until the late uh, or not 1991 1891 
the mummy wasn't supposedly purchased until the late 1890s, so well after she had died. In 1985, Charles Haz, who is the president of the Titanic Historical Society, he got access to the cargo lists and there's no mummies listed. The mummy hasn't left the British Museum since it was brought there. The question then becomes, well, how did this story like come to be if there's yeah. no facts like surrounding it? The the logic is that a lot of the British people, like not noblemen, not whatever, governors, whatever, weren't too happy about invading Egypt. Like they didn't think it was their job or their place, especially because a lot of it was we're overthrowing a, a fascist dictator government, whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, a lot of common British people just didn't think that that was their job. Yeah. Um, they And then when the British were occupying Egypt, they bombarded Alexandria for ten and a half hours at sea. It was a completely one-sided attack. Like, the British didn't lose a single boat. It was just overkill. And then they destroyed so much of the city, and two days later they took Egyptian uh, forces in a handful of fights. In the battle of, I'm going to butcher this name, Tel el-Kabir, the Egyptians fled literally after an hour of fighting. Like, it was just overkill for no reason. Yeah. Um, They were, a lot of the British people were under the opinion it wasn't their job to invade, but the idea is that the the idea of a curse was invented because saying, oh, we shouldn't occupy another country is, like, unpatriotic. Mm-hmm. But saying, if we do all this, then we're going to be cursed, it's different. It's creating, yeah. like, consequences, you know? Yeah. Um, the idea that the artifacts are going to exact revenge. This story specifically was created by two Englishmen named William stead and douglas murray stead was a journalist and an editor he was also a believer in spiritual stuff like mediums and psychics and he wrote about it um murray was an egyptologist and supposedly he was the man who actually shipped the mummy to london in the first place um there's not much known about him though so that could be made up they built this story like they were talking talking with their friends or whatever they created this story about they got a mummy, they brought it to England, set it up in their friend's living room, and the next morning everything was destroyed. So they created this completely fabricated story about how whatever room they went to, the next day everything breakable in the room would be broken. They continued this with the fact that wherever the mummy went, there was sickness and death. Then, after making this up, they visited the British Museum and saw the priestess of Amun-Ra. Then that was when they created yet another story they said that the way her face looked scared meant that she was a tormented soul um they said that her evil spirit was now loose in the world and then they sold that story to a bunch of newspapers who published it okay you can find publications of people talking about this mummy and presenting it as fact because these two men presented it as fact the reason it's attached to the titanic is actually because one of those men died on the titanic Okay. As just a fact. Um, He was telling the story of the mummy to passengers on the boat. And we know that that happens because one of the survivors came, like one of the survivors of the sinking ship told the New York world about that story in an interview about what happened on the boat. So eventually facts blurred with fiction and it all just got linked together in this like weird hodgepodge of information Um, There's other versions of the story where she's actually smuggled off of the Titanic in time only to be put on a different boat that sank. Um, She's supposedly linked to all of these sinking boats, but whatever. The story was so popular, though, that in the 1980s, when an expedition was launched to locate the sunken Titanic, the crew was actually talking about the mummy that was still allegedly on board. Um, some people say she is responsible for, like, sabotaging the efforts to find the boat. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. She So you can still see her at the British Museum. Like, she's still in the Egypt room. Artifact 22542, uh, the priestess of Amun-Ra, the unlucky mummy. But is it, it's just the, the top yes. right now. Um, okay. In certain stories, when they got, like, the full mummy, it was lost somehow, and the only thing that was able to be recovered was the lid, like... A lot of information is lost. Sometimes they only bought the lid. It differs from whoever's telling it. Okay. That's cool. It reminds me 
we, we talked about like SCPs in the beginning just briefly. Mm-hmm. I ju- there's an SCP and it might be called like a the something to do. It's a mummy that okay. has to do with luck, but it's a mummy and the, the lid of the sarcophagus is off and there's liquid in with the mummy. Okay. And if you drink it, you'll either get really good luck or you'll die. Oh. So it's a pretty, it's a gamble. But, like, you know, the whole, like, thing with SCP is that they, they get people to try it, to yeah. test on it. So they were, like, figuring out certain blood types would just die and <laughs> other certain blood types would get, like, crazy good luck for a little while until it left their system. And it just reminded – it was another luck mummy yeah. that it reminded me of. I wonder if it's based off of it at all. It, it's It totally could if it's that, like, yeah. been around in so much media. It could be. SCPs are just – interesting in general too. oh yeah it i don't remember too much about the file but i remember reading mm-hmm. it and being like this is dope <laughs> that's just a cool story to tell i honestly i've never heard of that one but i also never like got crazy big into scps i just remember the thing with the stairs Ooh, that's a good one <laughs> with the stairs you can never you just stop going down right yeah but you can't go up either right yeah it just goes down infinitely yeah and you can't turn around <laughs> It's and then there was the, also the SCP with the, the blinking, right? Oh, yeah. It's like SCP-173. I think the peanut-looking one. The peanut-looking man. Yeah. He looks like a like Megamind. He, that's a real statue. What? He had a rework because there's copyright issues because it's a real art installation. Oh. So, But that original peanut-looking one mm-hmm. is a real statue, and it's big. And if you look up pictures of it, it just looks like the SCP in real life. And I swear to God, if I ever – like, if nobody told me that, and I would have <laughs> walked into this museum – and I saw that, I would have had a heart attack. So I'm very glad that I know that it's a real <laughs> statue now because I would have died right there. I feel like we should explain what an SCP is real quick. Yeah, we've talked about, we it talked about it a lot. So SCP stands for secure, oh wait, SC, secure, contain, protect. Secure, contain, pr- protect. Yeah, so it's, they're containing these entities. You could like, it's all fiction. Yeah, it's all. This is all. A, it's online, like creepy pastas, mm-hmm. but it, it's written as like scientific documentation. Yeah. So it's not written as stories. It's written as like test one. We figured out this. Test two. We figured out this. Mm-hmm. And there's thousands of SCPs, mm-hmm. and it goes through to be like an official SCP. It's on the SCP website, and you can submit stuff, but it goes through, like, a submission thing, Mm -hmm. pretty much. So it's a lot of just collected stories, but, like, you can get into it, and it's written like it's real life, and it's just a really fun thing to read. And we're going to talk about some of them eventually. There's a lot of them. It's, like, they're in, like, 9,000 or something. And some of them are, I remember, like, flipping through some of those documents, and some of them are, it's like a blob. It's yeah. a pink blob, and really that's it. short. Like some of them are malevolent. Some of them aren't. Temporal objects. Some of them are just like necklaces that have weird properties, and there's a page on them. And some of them are like creatures that can control time. Like it's a very <laughs> wide variety of stuff. One of them is like a cursed m- monkey with symbols, like one oh, of those we, little yeah. toys, like from um, Phantom of the Opera. So it, it goes from like just toys that are doing weird things, like weird phenomena associated with creatures, people like things that are like ghost almost, alien like things. It's all like weird parallel dimension kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So like and how we talked about the mummy just now, the mummy and the water and the the the, mu- the water never ran out also like it would oh. just always fill up so kind of thing a fountain so it was it's just like stuff with weird properties that it's it looks like it's documented of them testing these properties which is so cool yeah it's, just I, it's fun like an arg read. in that sense where it's like presenting something as fact you know yeah just like you it's its own little universe right mine scare me uh it's not the scariest thing I just thought it was interesting because it's it's pretty popular in the area. Oh no! Um, I just thought it was cool because like, okay, I'll just tell you what it is so I can. It's the Lugaru or the <gasps> Rugaru. I hate that thing. Okay, but like, oh, no. I reading about it, it's a lot different than what we grow up here reading about. Wait, it, wait, 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 wait. Are being told about it. We're talking about the thing that's in the zoo, right? Yeah, the, the thing with the shoes. Yeah. No, thank you. Okay, but like, see, that's like a spinoff of it, though. And, like, growing up, like we said in episode one, we are from Louisiana. So this is a very, 
Louisiana culture thing, but it also comes from French and Caribbean, and it has a lot African, a lot of ties. So the story has a thousand different like versions of it. I'm already very scared. And because there's French involved also, a lot of the the old like vampiric myths get <gasps> tangled in sometimes and sometimes doesn't. So there's like a billion different ways the story goes. And what I learned about it is total like I remember having things in school where someone would come tell us about the Rougarou. Right. Like, and it was to scare kids to be good. It's like the thing. Louisiana boogeyman pretty almost. much yeah and it, it, lugaro rugaro here as i've always heard it between those two mm-hmm. and i also like have in here it has a lot of different names because it comes from so many different areas mm-hmm. that it would it has they all have similar stories mm-hmm. but different names or slightly different characteristics but all kind of central ideas the same but what i learned about it is like on the the more like weird thing for it i I was told it was like a werewolf thing well i mean it like the i i know i already said it but in in the zoo in louisiana there is a display of the the swamp monster like the swamp monster rougarou whatever you want to call it as if it's fact like that's that has always been the image I've had of it because that's what I grew up seeing. Yeah, we'd walk through the zoo and, and then you turn and you're like, oh, that's and my a nine foot monster. And my heart stops and he has all of these like children's shoes on his staff and stuff because he eats kids. The Ottoman Zoo is a great time, guys. Yeah, we'll post a picture into the Discord. Um, this is an actual display in our zoo. It's, yeah, no, you d- it's, like, next to the snakes, too. It's, like, it, you're just yeah. walking around. It's in the entrance to the reptile facility, and it's nightmare fuel. You oh, take a creepy. baby to the zoo to see the snakes, and you turn around you're and You're covering say, their eyes when you go through that area. Literally. Like, it's, like, it's, so many babies are just, like, strolled right through. And, and it's you bright red, and it's it's not a good, it's, oh, yeah, it's we'll post a picture. Eyes, for sure, for sure. But, uh, but, like, I remember the assembly at school, they talked about it. It was, like... It was a shape-shifting thing, but it often, like, they called it werewolf-like a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that comes from the French myth under the same name. Okay. But isn't really tied into, like, the Caribbean one. So that one's kind of like a spin-off version <laughs> spin-off. is the one I learned. Um, just to go through the names real quick before we go, because it, it, there's a lot of names under. I've always called it Lugaru, so I'll probably keep calling it Lugaru. Mm-hmm. Soikoyant or something like that in Dominica and guadalupin folklore okay old hag in jamaican okay asima which is also like a type of moth which i thought was interesting it's mothman <gasps> i know i was like wait are we about it did it never got to it's that it's another crossover episode i know i was like is this are they about to tell me the lugaru is mothman <laughs> it didn't get to there but i almost had a heart attack i would believe it, it though and then it's also called a hag in the bahamas so if okay. you've heard like that folklore it's a very similar thing okay and he, so just to get the names out the way and like it like Again, what you said, the thing in the zoo is kind of how I always pictured it. Mm-hmm. But in, like, the actual Caribbean version of, like, where it, it stems from, and it is an old woman most of the time. Oh. That she, just by day, a regular old lady. And at night, she could take off her skin. <gasps> and then this, it differs in some stories. It's going to differ a lot. Um, some things say she stores it in... A tree. <laughs> okay. It's like a, a coat rack? <laughs> yeah, pretty much a tree. Or she store, stores it in a mortar, just like the little bowls you crush stuff up That's in. That's very different. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> again, it comes from so many different places. Just like how yours had like four different versions of the story, mm-hmm. this one has a lot of where it differs. Okay. Um, but when she takes off the skin, she's a fireball. <laughs> and stories, again, differ. Sometimes she was just like normal fire or sometimes it was blue fire. Okay. Um, and she would fly around at night, and she would suck blood out of people. That's like the vampire part coming in, a very vampiric style of monster. Um, and she, you would know. We would wake up in the morning with blue marks on wherever she sucked, whatever limb she sucked the blood out of. And if she sucked too much blood out of you, you would either die or so. turn in to another lugaru <gasps> no so like a vampire if you no. you either they t- they take all of your blood and you just die 
or they bite you and you become another vampire. This is very similar. They can make more Lugaroos. Oh, Imagine no. the thing in the zoo. No. <laughs> Emily, I don't think you understand. Like, I'm not lying. I'm very scared right now. That was my, like, original boogeyman. Oh, yeah. I hate this. And um, if the Lugaroo, if you died when they sucked up the blood, some stories say she could take your skin to use as her new one. <laughs> so like she could change her appearance no thank you <laughs> yeah so they they were just oh that makes sense with the shape-shifting though yeah a lot of people called it a shape-shifter but it was more like just taking kind of like the face stealer in avatar the guy who would take everybody's face if you i hated emotion. that comparison so much that's what i thought about though i was like I mean, oh so just the whole skin not just the face though you're right but at the same time don't like it <laughs> so and then where it kind of gets pulled into Louisiana with voodoo and Haitian culture, a lot of people say that that skin that the, the Lugaroo stores, you can use it in voodoo or black magic rituals. A lot of people, like, look for that as a, a material. You know, like, Yo. voodoo is a very material. You need stuff to do certain things. Right. You need, like, certain plants or certain spices or right. certain supernatural stuff like this to do certain spells you like set it up on the table while you're saying something yeah it's a very item object oriented belief system so mm-hmm. a lot of rituals and stuff would need a lugaroo skin you would need to, to you would take it from the mortar or the tree that's absolutely insane <laughs> yeah that is like some skyrim level stuff yeah and another thing with the black magic dealing with more um demonic things is the reason the Lugaru was taking the blood in some stories they were either trading it with the devil <gasps> or trading it with Basil the the demon who in the silk cotton tree what is that so I'm so sorry it's I looked a little into it it gets very deep into like the whole demonic thing okay. but it's just a, a, a certain tree where this demon resides to make trades Oh, And okay. sometimes the skin, she stores it in the silk cotton tree. Okay. So, like, it's not just some random tree she's just hanging up her skin on. Right. It's this tree in the, the demon realm. Okay. That, where she's doing it. In some stories, she has the mortar and she's trading the blood with the devil to keep her powers and keep okay. doing it. She could go out and do more things. I thought this was really interesting. A lot of, a way to, like, catch a Lugaru is you sprinkle rice around. What? Because she would have to pick up the rices individually, one by one. Oh, like old vampire legend. Yeah. Myth, mythos. Like, they would have to count them. Yeah, she would have to pick it up one by one until, like, and if you throw enough, she'd do it till morning. And a Lugaru doesn't die in the sunlight, but their true form is revealed. So they can't hide from people. So if the old lady would stop and pick up all the rice until morning... You could see through the skin yes. and know that it was a Lugaru. Hate that. Isn't that it? Like I thought that was cool, like a spin on vampire. Yeah. They didn't just die in the sunlight, but their like form was revealed. Hate that. That was I was like. Imagine Whoa. you're like just rocking down the street and you see an old woman picking up some rice and suddenly you see through her skin. Yeah. It, no, thank you. Yeah, that it was really I'd weird. I cry. I really like. There was a different uh, version of the story. That it had to be, it was corn grains instead of rice grains. Okay. And you would specifically throw an odd number. Just a lot, but make sure it was an odd number. Because in that version of the story, she had to count them by twos. Okay. So when she got to the last one and there was no pair, she'd restart. (gasps) So it didn't matter how much you threw. She would be stuck there until the sun came out. Oh, crazy. So instead of, like, just making sure you threw a lot of rice, it, like, she couldn't get out of the loop at that point with the odd number it's like a paradox yeah so i I was like just count by ones but (laughs) (laughs) i mean do what you gotta do pop up um and then a way to destroy her there there's differences here too but salt has to be placed over her skin in the mortar or salt is placed in the skin if it's like versions that don't involve the mortar okay Either way, some things said the skin would just, like, dissolve in contact with salt. And some things said, like, it would shrink the skin so the Lugaru couldn't get back inside of it. Okay. And they'd be destroyed. Some things said that once the skin was destroyed, the Lugaru is automatically destroyed. Some things said the Lugaru would just disappear because it couldn't get back into the skin. Okay. Stuff like that. This goes into, like, Jamaican culture, Caribbean culture, 
it there's like spirits called jumbies okay that are all just malevolent spirits i just thought it was interesting that there was a category that like that's that's it's very unspecific it's just like if it's a bad spirit but it was it was just a category of spirits that kind of a lot of them were used how like we grew up with it now mm-hmm. it's to scare man. kids, yeah, yeah. You're, you're trying behave to get, don't run away into the woods, you right, know. behave or else the Ruger is going to get you. Yeah, you know, follow the rules, be good in school. It he, was a school assembly, guys. <laughs> we had school assemblies about the Lugaru. The Louisiana culture is the weirdest thing on the face of the earth. I swear. I thought it, um, some culture said it didn't have to be a woman, like they could take any skin. And then some cultures believe it had to be a woman because the Lugaru's fiery wings would, like, be stored in boobs. <laughs> I was like, that's so weirdly... Why would the wings go there but, like, pop off, I guess? <laughs> they curl around. <laughs> yeah. You go from an A cup so to a D some cup. some people, like, it had to be a woman. The Lugaru was a, a wom- woman. woman. A woman. <laughs> that's what I oh, said. A woman. I'm... Wait. Boobs. <laughs> yeah. And then there was some, like, that... Like, how I said ours... I learned it as, like, a werewolf-looking creature or the, the swamp monster in the zoo. Mm-hmm. Um, a very different version from what we learned said during the day she could, like, fly around as a vulture. She could shapeshift oh. into a vulture and okay. prey on people that way, which was – I was just, like – I feel like that's really pulling on the shapeshifter part because mm-hmm. a lot of them were, like, shapeshifting in the fact that she could change what skin she was in. Right. Or also she was a fireball demon thing. So – I don't know, but I thought that was cool that sometimes she was just a bird, <laughs> just a vulture. I hear they're said to be in, like, swamps out in the middle mm-hmm. of nowhere, in the woods, sugar canes. And that was pretty, like, that's what I learned, you that's, know. Yeah, same. It's a swamp monster boogeyman kind of thing. Right. Other stories are just, like, it's somebody around town is uh, a Lugaru. No, thank you. Yeah, so it's, like, one of y'all, <laughs> one of y'all's a little suspicious around it's here. It's Adam. Adam's a Lugaru. Hi. Oh, look, you can only see his eyes. <laughs> no, no. And then that's when I figured out that the, when the French get involved and the French get into that area, mm-hmm. that's where the werewolf part of it comes because the the French word for their, like, werewolf creature is also said, like, how you say Lugaru. You say it with a French accent, though, but I can't do a French accent. <laughs> yeah, but that is, like, a very similar word for, but it's, like, a werewolf creature, not this vampire creature. Okay. So, like... The French also influenced a lot of the vampire-inspired part of the myth. Okay. But then, because it was both close together, they've gotten crossed to each other. Like, okay. a lot of time, like how I said, I think I grew up told it was a werewolf when really that name usually refers to the other myth, this fireball creature. Right. They're so, like, just, they got especially because it's the same word, yeah. it gets confused a lot of times. Yeah. So the myths are just kind of mashed together at some point, mm-hmm. which I thought was cool. Because I was like, that makes sense why I thought it was a werewolf, and it's not. It's a fireball. Right. <laughs> it's a fireball. <laughs> yeah. And even then, like, a lot of people believe that this myth was just, its whole origin was to to have children listen. Mm-hmm. Like, it's always been a boogeyman kind of myth. Okay. Or even, like, a, a to have the whole village you know, be doing what they need to do. But it's just like an obedience kind of myth. Mm-hmm. But an interesting thing, kind of a different look on that, was that some people took it when, like, the British came in and with all the Creole culture around here. Mm-hmm. People, the British kind of took it over and said that the Lugaru would hurt Catholics who weren't listening to the rules of Lent. Oh. So they kind of made it into a, to, like, almost get the the different cultures to like yeah no it's still here but like you have to listen to us because the lugaru will also hurt you if you don't listen to us which is so it was yeah it was like they took on the myth just to get more people to listen like made Mm -hmm. it a really obedience kind of thing right to not just a boogeyman it was like no you have to follow our religion right because the lugaru so I thought that was crazy that it was Mm -hmm. I've never heard of it like that but it was like a fear tactic almost I've also read another way that people would use a lot of people in that culture wouldn't uh, convert because they 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 thought the Lugaru would hurt them for converting away from that. Oh. So it kind of went on both, both sides, sides that a lot of people would convert but not really. Like lie yeah. about that what they converted and then like not worship the Lugaru but 
acknowledged the Lugaru yeah. in secret kind of thing. So it was on both sides. They were using the Lugaru as like a a rock to that mm-hmm. culture, which is I just thought it like both parties were like the Lugaru's on our side, and then they were like, no, but we'll let you think that. <laughs> we'll let you think that. Um, even now, in, like, voodoo culture, mm-hmm. the Lugaru skin is very, like, a prominent thing. Okay. You know, a very ritualistic thing, and is used in cults or people who, like, voodoo isn't a cult, but there are cults that follow voodoo. Yeah. And will, like... Do some crazy stuff. Yeah, crazy stuff, like, around yeah. just the Lugaru skin. Why people can't visit Marie Laveau's grave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like that it was it was vampiric. A lot of people would call it a vampire hag thing, mm-hmm. and I didn't learn it as no. that. But it's so much of just, like, a, a wildly different take on a vampire when mm-hmm. you get down to it. it. It Something happens when the sun comes out. They yeah. had to count the grains. They sucked blood. Right. Like, it was, it was all of that. I was like, that's so cool that it's, it's a vampire, but not in the way you'd think of when you hear the word vampire. It's like just a different cryptid. Yeah. Um, and also, like, some things said it had African culture intertwined, and some, it does with a lot of the, the Haitian culture gets involved, Mm -hmm. and some stories, like, only said it was Caribbean, so it's like, it depends on what area you're in, is what story you'll hear. Okay. But for this major story, it's African, Caribbean, French, Louisiana in the end, <laughs> Haitian. Like it's Creole. a lot of yeah. a lot of cultures talk just took on this myth. And mm-hmm. it so it has so many spin offs. It was the Jamaican belief that believed in the, the maize, the corn. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was like Indian maize corn. Mm-hmm. It uh was like a specific type of corn. Okay. But you had to have the odd number yeah, of grains. The grains. Which I was like, that that kind of saves you from having to buy a lot of rice. Because <laughs> like if you just three. like get unlucky and your Lugaru is a fast counter, you're <laughs> screwed if you only threw like a bag of rice. So I was like, oh, so this is easy. I could, I could put three things of Literally. corn down and she can't get past two. <laughs> so she's got to restart. Like I really don't have to buy that much corn. <laughs> corn um, and then this kind of gets turned into... Uh, almost a witch hunt effect okay because they would take on somebody's skin during the day like i said hate that it was just somebody in the village you know people believed so especially for old women it was usually an older woman that like yeah that they took the appearance of and that's why a lot of cultures call it the old hag mm-hmm. or a hag it was so elderly women in the village if like somebody got sick, especially children, right. were targeted. Like, yeah. you know, why'd you do this? What are you doing, Lugaru? Right. Yeah. So like it it led to a witch hunt effect. If people would flog mm. the people until they until the person wasn't sick anymore, mm-hmm. or like they got a, something out of them, a confession or something, right. like it would it would get pretty serious in some of the village where like. You didn't want to be caught doing the wrong thing, especially if you were a woman, mm-hmm. because then everybody's going to think you're the Lugaru. Right. And they don't want you around because they don't want their blood sucked. <laughs> like, <laughs> I get it, but, well, yeah, that's that's my Lugaru stories. I'm going to be honest, I hated that. Yeah, I, I was going, like, through a trip. Right. On this, uh, like, Hold on, I want to see the picture of it from, because, like, it's so different from what, like, to hear the actual myth, mm-hmm. I definitely see that it is the same myth, but it's so weird that we get such a, like, hard-set version of it Ugh. when it's really this I just whole it. mess of stories Dude, thrown I, together. I hate this thing so much. Oh, Who thought that would be a good idea to put in a zoo? Like, I mean, it's culture. <laughs> is it? Because <laughs> I remember so vividly walking up, I'm like six years old, staring at this thing because I'm terrified, and your but mom you see, would like come it's... up behind me and grab me, and I'd have a panic attack. Yeah, no, <laughs> it was scary, but like it's that werewolf, like fluffy, big ears kind of and the big French eyes. version of it yeah. that we learned just because, especially New Orleans is so like French. Yeah. So much of that culture exists here. Yeah. So for us to get that version makes sense, but like the, 
it's such a like spin-off version of it, which mm-hmm. I thought was weird. I could if if anyone asked me to describe a Luguru before I did that research, right. I would have told you the werewolf boogeyman that lives in the swamps, right? Who like kidnaps bad kids and collects their shoes. And yeah, for some reason had all their shoes. But now I know that it is a fireball in right. some myths and that that werewolf version we learned is just because there was a mishap with the same word meaning similar myths so it just got confused i hate it so it like i hate that we got the worst version i know what we could have gotten the fireball lady right and we got in the zoo. this That's scary cool. statue in the zoo it's still traumatizing why uh, like you said, you bring kids to the zoo. Like, that's the whole appeal of the zoo Literally. is to bring little kids, see the animals. And they were like, yeah, let's put the kidnapping monster in the back. That'll <laughs> be fun. In the entrance of the cave. So now none of the kids will go through the cave. Yeah, mm-hmm. let's do that. And it was it's very convenient because as soon as you see that, um, you go into the reptile room. Yeah, this dark cave. Where there is conveniently a spot where you can comfort your crying children. Yeah, by the alligators. By the alligators. Which is, there's whole little benches. And they knew like, they were tormenting kids. Literally, in our family specifically, it was always five of us, like six of us, all like scampering around, all about the same age, all crying. Yeah, like fear. <laughs> pure fear. Pure unbridled fear. <laughs> it's and, a big statue too, it's like nine feet tall. Right. And it's just, there's no glass in between it, but there is a railing, mm-hmm. so it looks like an exhibit that you walk up to. Yeah. So like if you turn the corner and see the railing, your instinct is to like, oh, what's over here? What animal am I about to meet? And it's and the it's, boogeyman. Yeah, the Lugaru staring at you. And it's you. like, even, it's such a, I remember, like, when I was a senior in high school, like, driving around with my friends, like, there's a, I don't want to triangulate our location. <laughs> I'm going to say it and then cut it out. By, like, the field. I've the been one, on it while it was flooded and yeah, turn around. The one lane bridge. Mm-hmm. Like, my friend and I were driving down that street one night, and we were swapping ghost stories because that's what you do. And my friend was talking about the Lugaru and it was like I don't know how to tell you but I need you to stop because I'm gonna start crying yeah I know especially driving through that area and it's just fields of like sugarcane and also just woods and it's it's that's his prime location or her prime (laughs) location it's like a Pavlov's dog response though where it's like we've been trained so much to hear that word and think fear because they would literally come to school assemblies I remember there was a lady singing about about boogeyman yeah and like Louisiana is weird, y'all. No, Louisiana is so fucking weird. <laughs> they dress him up for Mardi Gras every year, like they put a hat I mean, on him and cover him in beads. At least he's festive. It's so funny that we <laughs> refer to him as a, a he, though. We Ooh, learned it as a it. werewolf, a he, like this dude, this scary boogeyman. Right. When the, it's so funny that the Caribbean culture is so centered on it being a she mm-hmm. because of the the wings. We're going to post these pictures. I know we keep talking about the zoo exhibit, but it's like a, it's an integral part of our childhood. That's why I wanted to share the story because I knew we both like had a, had a version of it that was apparently a very different version than Mm -hmm. a lot of other cultures would view it as. We're going to post the pictures of the zoo exhibit in the discord. Um, We can group it in with episode two so we can post some pictures of the mummy too. But I swear, um, when you see... Don't look too long at the mummy. You might die. (laughs) (laughs) When you see the pictures of the Ruguru, I need you to imagine that you are rounding a corner as a six-year-old. Yeah. And that is the first thing you see. It's a cave, too. It's Um, a cave. You're in, like, the entrance of a cave that you know already, like, is a bunch of big snakes. It's completely dark. Yeah. It's... It is a time, for sure. I need you to put yourself back in the body of a six-year-old child who is so excited because you just got done seeing the monkeys or some shit. Oh, yeah. And you round the corner, and that is what you're looking at. It was right by the gift shop, too. And True. I, I knew the adults knew that they were about to traumatize us because we'd always go through the gift shop first. Mm-hmm. And then again, after. <laughs> We did not need to go to that gift shop that much, but they were like, just go look at the stuffed animals. We know it's fine. It was a way to sedate the screaming children. Because there was also no other way to get into the reptile house. You had to pass him. Yeah. And it... it, mm. They planned that. Some people were like, let's traumatize kids today. Even when I was older, too, like, I still can't pass it. It's It's a creepy thing. It's just uncomfortable. I hate it. I hate it so much. And... 
I'm going to be thinking about this for the rest of the day. Good luck. You ruined my fucking day. I'm sorry. What are we having for lunch? We get lunch now. I don't know. (laughs) We get lunch, and then we get to come back and record more, which is exciting. Yeah, we're getting through the first few. Yeah. Because these episodes are, I mean, I don't know if people are listening in order or reverse order, which apparently is really common for podcasts. But all of our first, like our first three episodes are being released at the same time. Um, They're all going to be released on day one, so we're recording them in the same weekend. Yeah, just to get, just so like we don't have one episode out and no other content. Right. Because we've like, then what else do you do? You can't stay and hang out with us and then you might forget who we are so (laughs) you might forget who we are we are getting some stuff out fast literally just so there's a lot to take in so if you have a lot of spare time you're like dang i really wanted another one here you go there's three at one time let's talk about the rougarou (laughs) and a mummy that sunk the titanic (laughs) this is what our show has become yeah we really we started off like kind of just mainstream yeah we start. We came out of the gate strong. Yeah, no, with the we got the goat man and a pretty, pretty cool case out the way. Mm-hmm. And then the next time we're like, let's talk about myths and also crazy conspiracies <laughs> about the Titanic. We lured you in with a false sense of security. Yeah, and, now and then we, we just threw something at the wall. <laughs> and the next episode's gonna be like I can say mine's really fun. Mine's pretty cool. Mine's I'm excited about mine. So thank you for listening to us, and I'm really excited. Enjoy the rest of your day, the rest of your night, whatever time it is for you. Good, good morning, good evening, good night. Cover them all. Hit Cover every base. All. <laughs> all right. Um, pop off. <laughs> Don't forget to eat breakfast, lunch, and or dinner, depending on what time of the day it We're is. We're getting lunch. Drink some water. Cry yourself to sleep. Bye. Bye. <laughs>